Thanks for tuning in to Gen X Unlatched, the podcast that's designed to help Gen Xers avoid the misery of waiting until retirement to enjoy the freedoms they crave in life now. In each episode, Dr. Mario teaches Gen Xers how to successfully cross the intersection of growth and change to enter their next chapter of life with the mindset, skills, and tools they need to live a more gratifying life. If your responsibilities to others cause you to give up on pursuing life's freedoms, this podcast is for you. Join Dr. Mario as he helps Gen Xers like you reignite their passion for achieving their most ambitious dreams. Now, here's your host, professional coach, lifelong learner, educator, and speaker, Dr. Mario Jackson. Hey, Gen Xers. Today, I have a very special guest with me here on the show today that I'm super excited to introduce to you, Stephanie D. McKenzie. Now, Stephanie is an award-winning marketer, educator, certified coach, author, radio host, and agent of ridiculously undeniable life-altering change. A renowned love expert, Steph brings more than two decades of business acumen, marketing expertise, and a keen understanding of divine principles to the charge of moving the relationships that impact our lives from average to awesome. As an author, Stephanie writes about relationships and how to make them fruitful. Her last book, The Business of Dating, Date Like an MBA, which is available on Amazon and at www.thebizofdating.com. The book focuses on using traditional business and marketing strategies from a SWAT to AIDA and even human resources management techniques to provide a guide to help youth, singles, and couples achieve the life that they deserve. Currently, Steph is the Communications Director for the Relationship Firm and Education Director for 2215 Incorporated, a new adventure in education with an emphasis on cultivating the spiritually driven visionary. So without further ado, here's my interview with Stephanie McKenzie. All right, listeners, today I have a special guest that I'm excited to talk to you about, Stephanie McKenzie. Tell everybody hello, Stephanie. Hello, Stephanie. No, just kidding. Hello, everybody. All right, folks, you've heard a little bit about Stephanie in the bio portion of this episode. So we're just going to jump right into the questions today. So, Stephanie, I want to know a little bit more about you. And first of all, thank you for joining the show. Um, I have had such a wonderful time communicating with you leading up to this recording this episode today. But could you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? I mean, there's so much. I think the I think I always start when people ask me that question. I say, well, first of all, I'm a walking, talking anomaly. Like nothing about me makes sense. It's like <laughs> you did this, but you did this and you did this. And I, I, I have to confess that I'm one of those people that when I decide I want to do something, I do it. And so it doesn't matter uh, what I'm working on. It doesn't matter um, what the rules say. Case right. in point, like one time I got it in my head, you know, I want to have a magazine. Okay. okay. So I did. I launched a magazine. It was a, a special edition. It came out during Black uh, History Month and, and Black Music Month, but I had my magazine. And so I did that probably for about a year and then I let it go. 
and you know, you check that box. Like my bucket right. list is insane. And it's a litany of accomplishments. It's not, oh, I want to go, you know, bathe in the waterfalls of whatever or the waters of Lake Minnetonka. It's more like launch a magazine, have an award-winning marketing agency, check, check. So again, I'm just a walking, talking anomaly, I think because nothing I feel that I do makes complete sense. That's amazing. I like the spirit of exploration that you have. And I, I like that. That is freedom to me, right? Not having to commit yourself. Just say, I want to do it. I, you don't have to commit forever. You know, it, it could be a one and, one and done. So right. I like the fact that you allow yourself that freedom to be able to go out and explore. If you like it, great. If you don't, then we're moving on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally aligned with that. So with such an interesting background that you have, and I've told the listeners a little bit about it already, what led you to the work that you're doing right now? Um, what led me? Well, I wasn't led. I was drug here um, by a big divine <laughs> hand that grabbed me by the scruff of my neck and said, come on. And even still, I said, wait a minute. Uh, but to be honest, uh, marketing, which has been Uh, my love, I I almost say it's my zone of excellence versus my zone of genius. But uh, working on a project, thought it would be great to offer education because I'm an educator at my soul. And I used my coaching certification to bridge the gap between the fact that I had marketing and communications and business and wanted to do relationship education for this project. Again, I repeat, for this project. (laughs) And I looked up, the project had gone defunct, something with the programmers who were, you know, across the world. I had started galvanizing people around the brand in social media. People were like, I love your content. I'm like, whoa, wait, hold on. What? What am I going to do with these people? And so honestly, I had these amazing struggles between myself and, and, and the divine power that I ascribe to that uh, basically culminated with me losing and becoming a coach, changing the name of my business, adding two more divisions and about 10 more certifications. And here we are. Okay. So you do definitely have an interesting background. So I can't wait for the listeners to really just be able to sponge off of some of your experience. So this is a great segue for where I want to go next, which is talk to me a little bit about the the services you're providing to clients now, and particularly how you are helping those who are interested in starting a new business to develop the appropriate mindset that they need to be successful. Ooh, that is so good. That's such a great question because, um, you know, I've always, despite the fact that I have oodles and oodles and oodles of entrepreneurial um, expertise and experience, because I started my first business like eight or nine, like I think is when it was. Yes, it was the lemonade stand. Do not judge me. But um, I have- There's no judgment here. No judgment here. Okay. So I, and actually- One time I will pull the tagline from Planet Fitness. This is a judgment-free zone. Okay. And actually when you eliminate, I think it was like Red Punch or whatever we had, you know, in in the kitchen. And I just was like, let's do it. Let's go for it. But, um, you know, it's so interesting when, when it comes to launching businesses, a lot of my- clients don't start there. They start in uh, wanting to release uh, situations, wanting to to heal from breakups, from shakeups as as they may be in their lives. 
And in that process, they then began to see, I have a gift and a calling that I can take into the world. And so then, you know, the, the, the business part of me comes in, but still very closely tethered to the energetic and spiritual side. Right. So the, 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 that's the long answer to your question. The short answer to your question is how I work with people in the business space is that we deal with what's on the inside first, and then right. we allow whatever's coming out to guide us into the pragmatics. Because listen, you can have all the strategy in the world. I can write a marketing plan in my sleep. In fact, I have, I've, I've awakened sometime and been like, okay. Uh, all right, like I can do that. But what I have found, even with myself, that until I operated from a place of worthiness and not woundedness, all the strategy in the world didn't really matter because mm. I was incapable of embodying my brand. Okay. All right. Now, you know, you got to tell me a little bit more about operating from a space of worthiness and not woundedness. Talk to me. Well, you know, in hindsight, Dr. Mario, um, when I was running my, my, my marketing agency, you know, that was, that was my thing. I was, I was in full-time entrepreneurship like I am now. And, you know, I, I had all the accoutrement. I was doing celebrity events. I, I, we had um, coverage in the, in the business journal, um, in the Houston business journal, which is our local business journal. Um, I, even one of my, my all-star events got national press in nightclub magazine, I believe was the name. Again, another celebrity event. So I'm doing all of these things, right? But yet and still, I'm still devaluing myself. I'm mm. still overdoing. I'm still trying to be like, I'm still not involving myself in self-advocacy and saying, you know what, this is not what I'm going to do. So I'm operating from this wounded space where I'm mm. codependent, where I'm not loving myself at a high love level, okay. where I people pleasing the whole nine. And so none of it mattered. It didn't matter that I was good, actually great, actually phenomenal at what I do because I wasn't embodying that. I was embodying a young person because I was in my 20s then. I'm, a, I'm embodying a younger person who is running a business but still is, is bearing the woundings okay. of needing to be loved and liked and dragging mm. that in tow into okay. every business meeting, into every negotiation. Ah, okay. All right. I got it now. So if you are not operating from that space of where you are, and I think becoming whole is a lifelong process, but yes, when, when you are so full of deficits and holes, it would be problematic and challenging for you to bring life into something like a business when you haven't healed yourself. I got it. I Absolutely. love it. Absolutely. And I'll say this, you know, for metrics sake, if, you know, money, money is math. If you have a million widgets and they cost a dollar and you sell a million of those widgets and you sell them all, you'll be a millionaire. You can make money when you are wounded and, and, and not healing and operating with your holes. You can make all the money in the world. You just won't be abundant. All right, now you're bringing the word in here today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But this, this was one of the things that stood out to me about you when I was looking for guests to have on the podcast this season, and it's your energy. And I'm sure that your clients feel the same way about the positive. I mean, it's light. It's it's just like you you have this light about yourself that is infectious, and you just. 
brighten up the space wherever you go. So I'm, I'm wondering how you can, how some of your clients walk away with a little bit of that learning and, and putting it into their own space when they're thinking about what they want to launch. Mm. But how, mm. how are you dealing with those clients who are resistant, right? Mm. Because that's a big lesson, right? And if you're not even in a space to even be able to digest and understand going from, uh, you know, not being wounded, Mm-hmm. You, you're not going to be able to kind of keep up with getting to the point that you want if you're not able to receive that message. So mm-hmm. what are some of the common forms of resistance that you are seeing in your clients, even if they're not aware of it? Mm, that's so that's that is so interesting because. Two years ago, I think it maybe even three years ago, I made a, a, a huge mistake. I took on a client uh, because I really liked the person. And what I didn't realize at that moment and I'll just be honest about it, is that they not only should they not have been coaching, but I should not have been coaching them. Because what would happen in the aftermath of of working with her is that she couldn't, she could only accept kudos. She could not accept correction. Mm, Okay. How do you start a a business when you can't take constructive feedback? Correct. So she went her merry way and we wish her well. But I'm saying that to be honest about the fact that sometimes in in the process of that resistance, the relationship just doesn't persist. Okay. Okay. Because I mean, there's, I'm going to correct my clients. If you say you want to go a particular route and I see you going away from that route, I'm gonna say, hey, you know, hey, uh, this this isn't gonna take you where you wanna go. I refuse to cheerlead my clients off the edge of a cliff. Right, right. Like, oh my God, you're doing so great. Oh my God, look how you fell. That's awesome. No, <laughs> we don't do that here. Like right. some people will. Right, some people right. will do that. You're doing great. Keep going over the cliff. Okay. Right. I right. mean, you know, yeah. sometimes we have bumps and bruises. No, we're not doing that here. If I see you walking towards the edge of a cliff, I'm going to say, hey, there's a cliff there. Yeah, you, you need know. to turn around and, and go the other way. I would like but, for you to turn around, but you still have choices. If for some reason you have a an ardent, fervent desire to walk off the edge of a cliff, you go ahead. Right, right. I, if, I'm if not going to sit there. Exactly. I'm like, right, I, I, right. I've done my part. But what I learned <laughs> was like, she she didn't want it. And so that, that she didn't want to be corrected. And that's fine. Mm. Um, she had come out of her own situation. And I won't you know divulge all of that. But right. um, I should have been more aware lesson learned. Um, as it relates to other resistance, uh, sometimes we just talk it through. Okay. Like, hey, I've noticed it's very rare, though. It's very rare that I have clients that that are resistant because I make it a point to let them know who I am. Like before you click, you know, talk to me before you do. I highly recommend you go through this video vault. I highly recommend that you Google me. I highly recommend that you do your homework. Right. Because there's no surprises here. The way I am right now is just the way that I am. This is right. not an act. Right. You right. know, when I'm sleepy, I'm not like this. I'm a little, actually, I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little crazier, like, ah! But, <laughs> um, definitely the same person, Dan, when it comes to that. I mean, not the nice sleepier I get, good luck. Like, right. right. <laughs> I should charge a cover when I'm tired. But anyway, because <laughs> um, I am holy. I mean, like, oh, my God, it's funny. But like I said, you know, it's very rare that I have clients that are that are resistant to the process because I'm I'm gonna hold you. 
You know what I'm saying? I tell all my clients, listen, I'm about to climb in the boat of your life. I need to make sure it's not the Titanic. Right. Right. Because I'm not floating on a big door while you tell me you never let go. That's not cool. Exactly. You know, someone told me a long time ago, uh, I forget what leadership position I was working in, but the what they said was being nice is not nice. Um, and I think that, and for those, if I know, I told Stephanie earlier that there's some construction going on in my building. So if that's coming through in the recording, I apologize to the audience. Uh, it's just one of those things that we have to live with today. Um, <laughs> but when I dug down into what it meant about being nice is not being nice, okay. you're not doing anyone any services by not correcting them when they need correction. Now, right. again, I think that there is a space to do that compassionately. Absolutely. But you're not doing anybody any favor favors by allowing them to continue to demonstrate bad behaviors that are not going to get them the results that they want. Mm-hmm. As a coach, that's my job to call it out to you, right? You know, that's right. open. That's why you hired me, right? Right. Because everybody else in your circle in your space was just giving you your attaboys and your pats on the back and sending you along on your on your merry little way. Absolutely. And it didn't result where you, you didn't get the outcome that you expected. So I do appreciate that sense of candor and honesty and frankness when it comes to correcting the things that that you need to change and with love now don't get because it's not like because i have seen some coaches you know that that want to you know do this i've heard of them rather i haven't necessarily seen them the coaches that i've worked with personally um have corrected me as well and and i i was appreciative however and i know that some coaches like to use this like tough love gut punch Right, uh, right. non-compassionate methodology. And that's not what I'm here. I, correction in love is, is so key because right. I care about you, whether, whether you're my client for three weeks or, or for three months or for three years, hopefully not right. three years, I care about you and I want you to succeed and I want to see you win. Exactly. And so I consider it a privilege and an honor to be a part of that right. process. And so I need to make sure that I show up the way that I need to show up and support you with love, giving you kudos and correction. Yes, yes, love that. So just to kind of reset us here, we're talking about mindset, all right? So what is the biggest mindset that you see standing in the way to these clients who say, you know what, Steph, I'm ready to launch, help me out. I'm gonna hire you and I'm ready to do it by X date. Well, most of them, if they've come from a job, if they've had a job for so long, uh, most of them have what I call a worker mindset. And the the antithesis of a worker mindset is an owner mindset. Workers will do it themselves. Owners will get it done. And so there there are some skills such as delegating, uh, communicating needs, trusting, which again, it's hard to build a team when you're operating from a wounded space and have trauma and trust issues. It's very hard. It can be done, but it's very hard. So all of this goes together, right? But a lot of times, more often than not, people will come into a business and they'll say things like, you know, I've I've worked a job for, for 12 to 15 years, or I've worked a job for 20 years and I've made a lot of people money. I'm gonna do it on my own. Here's the kicker with that. While that is cute, if you were not a supervisor, <laughs> if right. you didn't take any initiative to build anything, any process, 
then you're probably doing this from a worker mindset. And a worker mindset is going to challenge you when you want to take on the identity of an owner. Because a worker is going to be just that. Sometimes a worker is waiting for instruction. Sometimes workers don't want to delegate. Sometimes workers will overgive and overdo. Right, right. Um, Workers love to say they can't afford things because that's the best excuse as to why they're not going to do the thing. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot that goes with that. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely see how having a worker mindset would stifle a few, stifle some people from making progress. And I think about this in the context of me starting my own business, that I have had to make that shift from more kind of on the ground, boots on the ground, you know, Mm -hmm. front facing, doing all the work to being a little bit more visionary and entrepreneurial uh, and thinking like, you know, all right, so I know that task A has to be done, Mm -hmm. but how can I do this intelligently? Like, are there ways to incorporate scale, to use artificial intelligence can I automate it in some way? Or are there people within my uh, uh, network who can help me um, to do some of the things that I need to do without me having to be the, the, the sole person that's clicking all the buttons? Absolutely. So I can definitely see how that, how that mentality and that type of mindset might be problematic when you're trying to make that shift mm-hmm. into launching your business. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. And it'll keep you tethered to task. Mm. And when you're tethered to task, a lot of times you just you just fall deeper and deeper into the abyss of checklist. Oh, right. and, I, and a lot of what I call the lot of gotta versus the wanna do. An owner needs balance. As an owner, there are things that I that I gotta do. But when I breach the, the point where I'm in the lot of gotta, where everything is, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, mm. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. Versus the want to do, I'm out of balance. When I'm out of balance, what I've often said, where, where, where imbalance is present, abundance is fleeting, actually it doesn't exist. Because at that point, I'm unable to create, I'm unable to, 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 vision, to be a visionary, right? I'm unable right. to see beyond my little, it makes me short-sighted, my little bitty things to do, my little yeah. boxes I need to check, yeah. and then I go to the next day. Right. And I know that at some point, um, as I was making this transition, I think that pivotal question that that I didn't ask myself, it just popped into my brain was, are these the things that really matter, Ooh. right? You know, am I being a slave to programming social media every week when I'm not getting the results or the outcomes from it that mm-hmm. I want or expect? So I had to make some changes with that, right? right. You know, I had maybe I'm overdoing it with social media. So I had to pull back some. Um, you know, are there opportunities for me to reuse content? These are all things that you have to consider when, when you're doing a one-man shop, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're everybody. You're mm-hmm. from CEO down to custodian, right? right? So having that mindset of being able to step out into a state of abundance, right? Because you got to pick up on that stream of consciousness when you're talking about abundant mindset, right? Absolutely. And thinking about, you know, it wasn't that I didn't have enough time. I wanted to make sure that I was hitting the high value task with the time that I had. Mm-hmm. Right? So there are some things that I let go. I don't do Twitter, right? Because I find it frustrating. I can't get my message across in what? 50 characters? 140 characters or less. Yeah, that's to hell with that. 
you know, I, that's 140 characters is going to take me like an hour because I got to figure out how to wordsmith everything in a yeah. way that it makes sense, right? So yeah. that's not a high value for me. That's not where mm -hmm. the people I'm looking to serve are. So I let it go. And I'm going to be doing a lot more of that in this new year. And I actually find it kind of exciting because I can clear my plate for other things like yes. business meetings and networking and speaking engagements because of why I'm not sitting behind the computer trying to program social media. <laughs> exactly. I think, I think the craziest thing I ever did, well, there was one time when I was really an avid Twitter user or in the words of the, of the late Betty White, the tweeter. Um, <laughs> and so, or did she call it the Twitter? She might've called it the Twitter, but whatever. She's still late and great. But that being said, I remember somebody was asking about an update of Grey's Anatomy. And at that point, I think we were at like season three. And I literally gave an update of Grey's Anatomy in 140 characters or less. Three seasons. I don't know how I did it. I'd have to go dig that tweet up. But other people were like, facts, accurate, wow. You know, because right. that's what I did. So it was, it was kind of funny. But yeah, I'm kind of like you. You know, I, I have an online business manager that takes care of some things for me. But you know what? Some, some things are just not happening. Right. Like they're just not. And, and, and I think something that you said, uh, as far as the audience, that's another thing that, you know, a lot of new business owners don't consider is who is their audience. They come into the space that they want to work in saying two words. I want to help people. Help is not a verb that we use because it sounds like it's free. People is not a demographic because we can't market to people. Right, right. Who, who are people? Right. You know, not even toilet paper markets to everybody. <laughs> that is a, a very good point. So, you know, oh I'm God. just saying. You, you made me laugh because it just made me think, I'm, I'm a guy that doesn't like to spend a lot of money on toilet paper. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. So I'm usually, I, I don't buy like the stuff that the moment you touch it, it falls apart, but I'm not spending eight bucks on four rolls of toilet paper. Oh my right? God. It can be, I, it remember, can be <laughs> I remember my mom sent me to the grocery store and this is an, as an adult and I, and I exercised my buying habits with the toilet paper that she wanted me to get for the house. I came in with that. So she's like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, well, it's, it's the toilet paper that I use, like where, where you know, at home. She was like, "This is the stuff that they, the, the janitors bring at work <laughs> for us to use in the bathroom." She's like, "No, baby, you got to take that back." I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I guess I'm cheap when it comes to toilet paper." <laughs> I love it. I, mean, I love it. Considering where it's going, I mean, I mean, why, I mean, you might as well just do it with dollar bills and flush those down the toilet. Like, considering, you know, it's his own though. I mean, so, <clears throat> let's talk about these Gen Xers who have reached that point where they've had a successful career, but there's always been something that's nagging at them in the back of their mind that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been doing my side hustle for a long time and now it's time to, to take it to the next level or I'm about ready to start retirement and then I need to figure out how to make this transition from the corporate world to being a small business owner. What kind of tools and resources are you recommending to folks like this? Um, coaches and mentors and advisors because, <laughs> you know, because it, it's really easy to fall into the abyss of, you know, watching YouTube videos and, and believing that you can fly. 
And I'm like, that's cute. Or taking oodles of classes on Udemy or, or whatever mm-hmm. platform you like. I'm like, yeah, if you're really serious and, and, and I don't say that because I'm a coach and you're a coach and you know, everybody's a coach coach, but I say that because of what I, what I been, how I benefited from getting my first business coach ever uh, two, three years ago, whenever the pandemic started. It seems like it's been forever. Coming on three. Well, yeah, somewhere close to three now. Yeah. So about three years ago. And so (laughs) I would say, you know, figure out that this is that you want to do something and then seek out somebody who has done it. You know, and that could be an advisor, that could be a friend, that could be, you know, but but start to amass the the wisdom of from live people that you can talk to in real time. Do not run through a batch of YouTube videos and Udemy courses and then say, oh, I'm ready to launch. Even if it means, and of course, the professor, the professors are going to co-sign this, even if it means enrolling in your community college to take a quick business course or a marketing course right. or an entrepreneurship course or an accounting course, do that, right. you know, get information. And, and I emphasize, get it from live individuals so that you can ask questions in real time. Because if you're just watching videos, first of all, you're probably going to have a question they won't answer. And then you're going to right. spend the rest of your days looking for a video that will answer the question. But ultimately, if you've been given something to do and you feel like, okay, this is my next step, then the next thing is probably an investment in a live body that can support you in that. Right, right. And I like the fact that you you prop, you you present that as an investment. Right. Because if you're starting the business from the the aspect of, oh, I'm going to get rich and make tons of money. You know, the, the cards are stacked against you. I'm just being real. Right. We already know they the are. statistics on how many first time businesses succeed and fail. Yes. Um, but when you think about this as an investment. Right. And it's kind of the, like what I think about when I think about what my ultimate goals are. I'm investing in my ability to enjoy the freedoms I want now versus 10 years from now. So that means that uh, being able to hire someone who has the acumen and expertise that I need in order to be successful, that's going to pay off down the road. Absolutely. It may be a bit of a sacrifice in the present moment, but when I think about what the long-term benefits are going to be, they far outweigh the risk. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a, a great point that you make and you emphasize that it's, it's an investment. Everything that you are doing as it relates to starting a business or, you know, expanding your side gig or your side hustle, that's an investment in you. Yes, right? absolutely. Or, or, or whatever it is that you want that, whoever you want that beneficiary to be from your investment. Exactly. Right? So I, I love the fact that you put that in there that way. And it's a tax write-off. So, I mean, let's just be clear, at least and, for now, it's a tax write-off. I don't know if it's still going to be a tax write-off, but it, it usually falls under the under the auspices of uh, personal um, personal development, uh, training, mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. professional mm-hmm. development. Professional development. It's a tax write-off. Yep, yep, yep. So there you but, go. What sometimes you cannot do when you're working for an employer. That's uh, right. Especially if they pay for it. Right. Exactly. You know, what you're writing off if you, you didn't have to come out of pocket for it. 
So now you've got your very own expenses. Go, go, go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about pandemic, right? How has the pandemic impacted some of those clients that you've been working with over the last couple of years and their ability to launch? What's, what's going on with them? Um, I don't think that it has really impacted them at all. For the, a lot of times, how do I, how do I say this? A lot of times the thing that's impacting their launch is them. Mm. It is internal and not external. Okay. You know, holding back and trying to make it perfect. And, you know, I I keep having to tell people that I work with that, Hey, if, 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 if you don't fail, we won't know what doesn't work. So you've got to at least launch and at least have one fall flat on its face. Right. So then right. we can take that and we can say, okay, this launch fell flat on its face. I personally have had launches that have fallen on their face. I may be about to have one now. I don't know, but I'm willing <laughs> to figure it out. You know, I'm right. willing to figure it out. I'm okay with right. that. But you know, Stephanie, that's so hard for some of us, right? Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna step into these shoes again because mm-hmm. you know I have this traditional, I have a very like fragmented kind of background, right? So I have this whole academic background where, mm-hmm. you know, I wrote a dissertation, I got a doctorate degree, I went off into academia and I was an administrator, you know, supervising faculty, conducting research, blah, 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 right? And mm-hmm. in that context, there's not room for a lot of mistakes and failures and that sort of stuff, especially when you've been charged with a university budget, right, of how many ever millions of dollars. And it's true. not your money to spend per se, but you're going to have to account for it, right? And you're going right. to have to sit in front of somebody and tell them what happened to the money, Correct. right? <laughs> so how do we get ourselves out of this I think it's a false narrative that we have to be perfect. And particularly in the context of starting a business, why is it okay to fail in, in some of the, the endeavors that we're going to take on? You know, it, not only it, it is okay because perfection doesn't exist. You weren't perfect in your corporate job. You weren't perfect in academia. Mm-hmm. You know, academia is where vision goes to die oftentimes. And so, uh, amen to that. okay, I'm like, mm. <laughs> and creativity. <laughs> Okay, I'm like, uh, about that. So, you know, at the end of the day, you were never perfect, but you can operate in excellence. And how we like get that. to operate in excellence is that sometimes we fall down, go boom, and we get boo-boos. And that's okay. This is why it becomes so important to be supported and to be surrounded by people that can help you with your learning curve. You know, a lot of the reason, you know, that that statistic about small businesses fail in the first three to five years, right. you know, I believe that that happens oftentimes because one, they haven't done the research. A lot of people open a business saying, I have a hundred friends. All hundred of my friends are going to buy my product. Lies. They Lies are not. and vicious rumors. Vicious rumors. <laughs> Maybe one will buy your product. Um, and, and they, and a lot of people want to be small business owners versus entrepreneurs. What's the difference, you may ask, and I give credit to my good friend, John Whaley, uh, who is an executive entrepreneur, our host and creator, that to understand the differences, a lot of times small business owners 
work from the inside out. I want to do this thing. Or they exist in a, in a place I call natural progression. Natural progression looks something like this. Oh my gosh, I just got my cosmetology license. I'm going to go do hair. Then I'm going to open a salon. Gotcha. When I was a business professor, I would say, are you operating in natural progression because you can't see anything else to do? Because there are other questions. Yes, you just got a cosmetology license. Sure, you can, you can go work for somebody and then open a salon, but what kind of salon? Do you need to go back and study trichology? Is it more prudent for you to open a salon where you are or 20 miles down the road because there's no salons down there? Right. See, a lot of times people don't do the research. Right. They just want to do, and then they and then they they go into this field of dreams mentality where it's mm. like if you build it, they will they come. Will come. <laughs> Unless you're building a liquor store or a strip club, it's probably not going to work. I'm just gonna keep it with you. Are so spot on with that. You are absolutely right. Uh, and I love the thing that you said now, if, if there are people out there who are listening and they're on the cusp of starting their, their own business or, you know, uh, taking the side hustle into the next step, that thing about, I got a hundred friends and all hundred are going to mm. purchase my side. They no, are. they're not. No, they're not. And, and if I want y'all to hear They're me so not. <laughs> and they don't have to, to be your friend. Right. True. They may not want it. And, right. and we've got to be okay with that too. Right. Right. You know, so I like this idea that, you know, you really need to start with a blank slate thinking like, who is it that I'm going to be, you know, attracting? Leverage your, your networking context in a different way. Right. Don't necessarily, you don't have to necessarily sell to them, but tell them what you're doing and allow them to be promoters for you so that they go out and carry your message into spaces where you may not necessarily be able to access, but they are advocating as someone on your behalf to talk about what it is that you can do and how you can help them. Um, that is something I wish I'd learned a little bit earlier in this process because mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't understand why, well, okay, I'm, just, I'm writing a blog. Like, why is nobody reading my blog? Uh, because it's not pertinent to their lives, right? You know, it's a small segment of people that you're trying to reach. So use your friends in a different way. I think that's an excellent piece of advice. Don't don't expect them to just rush out and buy what it is that you have to sell. Exactly. Because a lot of people do, and then they get frustrated. Oh, your your friends and family aren't supporting you. Well, here's the thing about, here's the thing about me. I, I, I had a former friend that went and invested in a coaching program and she kept paying this person for this coaching program month after month after month. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I'm a coach. Have I coached my friends? Yes, because I can actually be unbiased. However, please remember that a prophet is not welcome in their own country. When people have access to you, a lot of times they don't want to make the investment of working with you. Right. It's it's not personal. Um, A lot of times it's proximal. Right. Because they're so close. They're like, well, why do I have to pay for that? Or et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and a lot of times it's not entitlement. I'm not talking about people that want to hook up. I'm right. saying they just don't <laughs> see you as something they need to purchase. Right, right. Because I have access to you whenever I want. You, Absolutely. You know, we, we have these types of conversations already. Why am I expected to so pay they for think. them now? Right. So they think. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my clients get a lot more strategy than, you know, I will go to coaching mode in the middle of a conversation, but uh, yeah, it's a little bit different because I also have to set the boundary 
of you being a friend. So I'm not one of my one of my covenants with myself, Dr. Mario, is that I'm not friends with people who can double as clients. I've had uh, a couple of my friends have approached me about coaching. And I've been my initial reaction was really resistant. Right. It was just that knee jerk. No. Right. And not that I explained it to them in that mm -hmm. way, but I just know that the coach Mario is different than the friend Mario. Right. right? So right. coach Mario can do the compassionate kindness and honesty. Friend Mario is shooting straight from the hip. Right. Like I'm, I'm not candy coating stuff with you. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like what you just said to me was the bee's knees. It's not, it's a hot mess and you need to cut it out. Right. So that's, I, I value my friendships enough to say, mm -mm, no, not, not yeah. going to coach you. Yeah. And you know, I, you could pay me three times my rate, but I value the friendship more than I do. But you know, here's some people that I refer you out to. Absolutely. Who Absolutely. will definitely be able to help you get the results that you want. But Especially that, if you know they're incompetent of handling the correction. You right. know, you, if you want me to coach you so I can co-sign your, your nonsense, Right. You know, your BS. They know that is not that's a me. problem. We're not going to be able to, we're not gonna be able to build. <laughs> that is not me. Yeah, we're not doing that here. We don't do that here. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm ready to launch. I've got all my stuff together. What's the one thing you're going to tell me to avoid at all costs? Don't do this if you're starting a new business. Um. Don't, huh, this is horrible. Don't mm, sleep on developing your brand, mm. even though it might change. Don't sleep on it. Do not go in Canva and think you're a rock star because you used a template. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do that. Okay. That is hilarious that you said that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm working on a um, to do a five day challenge, um, and I've been doing all this research about you know how to design a workbook and all this kind of stuff. I'm not a designer, right? Now you want to see me short out and like like completely just melt down, put me in front of a computer and start telling me to lay things on the grid, right? Like, here's your palette, put this stuff. No, I don't do that. I, I just do not have the patience for it. And my mind doesn't work that way. So I was, I was developing the worksheet and I promise you just in the text document, I was like, forget this. I'm hiring somebody to do this. I'm not doing this. It would take me for the amount of time that as, as long as this document is maybe 10 pages, it would probably take me two weeks to design this. And it's I'm still not going to be satisfied with it because yeah. end of the day, I'm going to look at it and say, this looks homemade and it doesn't look like a designer did this. That part. <laughs> and, and and even though, yes, I, I, am a, I am a quote unquote designer. I know enough about Adobe to be dangerous. I use Canva because it's easier for my online business manager and, and the rest of the team. But you know, you make a really valid point. And so the other thing, it leads me to the next thing that I say is remove the term, I can't afford it from your vocabulary. Like yeah. just remove that term from your vocabulary when you're building, because here's the thing, if you need it, you got to get it. Right. 
You know, there's no stumbling through or anything like that. Oh, Stephanie, that's going to cost thousands of dollars. You don't know that. I've had so many people tell me, you know, hey, do you have an assistant? No, that, that's going to cost a lot. Is it? Is it? Because I, I have two and I, I, it doesn't cost a lot. It doesn't right. even cost thousands. But in your brain, you have conceived that having this, this assistant, this help, this whatever is going to cost a lot. Stop saying that until you right. know. Until you know, exactly. And then the truth of the matter is, is that everything you're saying you can't afford, we can't hear it. The, everything that you <laughs> say you can't afford, you what you can't afford is the time that it takes you to do it because you don't know how. Exactly. And that's why I don't design my own stuff. Ta-da! I'm not going to be sitting there trying to figure out where it goes. And even so, no. I'm going to say this, I'll let the story go. I was just trying to figure out how to make a background, right? Like I wanted to change, I wanted to use an image as the background for one of the pages. Girl, it took okay. me 20 minutes to figure that out. I had to ask Google. Oh, I had no. To ask, I had no. to ask Jesus. That, to, to, please don't let me push my computer on the floor. <laughs> Listen, do not let me throw this thing out of the window. Right. And, and when right I figured now. it out, it was so simple, but I know enough about myself at this stage to know that I'm not going to have a series of things like that just to get this workbook done. No. Right? And just for you to save a couple of, like, like I've been reading this book is called uh, We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. And, and she says, she speaks to a concept called buying back your time. Mm. You know? And I'm like, that, that is, that is so important, especially as someone is budding into entrepreneurship or small business ownership that you buy back your time because that time that you could have spent that hour that you spent struggling through whatever when you do not work somebody right doing you, the thing that you you set out to do in the beginning exactly you so you're telling me okay the average online business manager VA is around twenty to thirty dollars an hour so you mean to tell me you don't have thirty dollars to buy back those sixty minutes that you could have used to outline your next ten thousand dollar program exactly exactly thirty ten thousand. 30, 10, right. but here's the, here's the kicker. Not only did you spend, let's say $30, you spent $30 to spend an hour on that uh, project, right? Just because you didn't know what you wanted to do. Right. Then you spent the next three hours recovering from being stressed out and checked out because of that hour you spent on that project. Right, right. Well, you I'm just frustrated. gave a free <laughs> I'm frustrated. I done had way too many glasses of wine and I See, no, it, it all went down. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm so glad that you're transparent about it because listen, I'm going to tell you, there are some things, I do a lot of things well, but there are some things I don't do well. And that's when we call Danielle. Like <laughs> that's when we, that's when I put like, listen, I get it. Old dogs, new tricks. Some things I will learn. Some things I shall not. Right, right. Right. So it's like, okay, this, okay, okay, you know, or that's a call to my business coach, or that's a call to my program coach, or that's a call to my thought leadership coach. I am not going to struggle through this. Right. Help. And you don't have to. Exactly. Help. Exactly. Learn to exactly. ask for help. Okay. So we are coming down on the last few questions that I have for you. Um, but before we do that, um, I've got a little fun game that I like to use to close out the show. It's called Rapid Fire Questions, and it's okay. the Gen X version, right? So I'm going to ask you three questions that I don't want you to spend a whole lot of time thinking about, right? Just 
whatever the first thing that comes to your mind uh, is just say it. All okay. right. And these aren't hard questions. No. They're, they're just more like nostalgia questions. Okay. All, All right. right. First Wait. one. Let me get ready. Let me get, let me sit up. Ready? Knock things over. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. We're going to. Yay. We're excited. Okay. Great. All right. First question. First, first question is what was your favorite cartoon from childhood? Uh, Baby Plaz. Baby Plaz. Plastic Man. I like Plastic oh, Man. Plastic Man. I did like I Plastic Man a lot. He had a whole little family too, right? He like, did. I'm Baby Plaz. And a little baby. I like Baby Plaz. <laughs> <laughs> and Aquaman. No, it's the sounds. Don't ask. I'm a crazy kid. It's fine. Okay. All right. Justice League. I got you. All right. I mean, right? I'm here for it. Yes. You know, for me, it was Laugh Olympics. I always remember that show I felt like was always ahead of its time. Yeah. It was a child cartoon with a lot of adult kind of content and situation. They do that now. Well, yeah. Now they're making adult cartoons that like if you put this on in front of a kid, like some defects is going to show up at your door. (laughs) Maybe. Wait, maybe. (laughs) Let's not test that hypothesis. That's not. All right. All right. Second question. Favorite song from the 90s that you still know all the lyrics to? All Cried Out. Lisa, Lisa, and Lisa, Cold Lisa. Well, that wasn't the 90s, though, was it? Yeah. Listen, I'm old now. Wait. Let's okay. <laughs> see the 90s. Lisa, Lisa uh, was 80s, the end of the 80s. Okay. Well, doesn't that count? Okay. Let's see the 90s. Uh, 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 uh. Um, I know you got a 90s song in there. Let's see, that would be college. Um, why is this so hard? You know, what was that jam from freshman year? What's the song? We'll get back to you. To you, to you. We did a lot of singing. Oh, Something SWV. In Vogue. In Vogue and SWVs. One of those. All of those. I know them all. It's fine. Okay. All right. Now, I'm not going <laughs> to do it this time, but I just heard you sing a little line. You got a little voice over there. It. We used to do that on my voicemail, <laughs> on my on my outgoing message. There were three of us. We would harmonize. Yes. Oh, that is too cute. <laughs> and so funny you said SWV. I was listening to a mix in the gym today, and I'll send it to you after the show. Please um, do. But it's a um, a cover of um, I don't know the, the title is Rain Down. Yeah. Me, but they turned it into a uh, like a gospel song. Huh. With a little house music to it. Oh, it's okay. perfect. For yeah, send that. I yeah. need to see that. I need to experience <laughs> that. All of that you just said. I need to experience yeah, that. Yeah, it's really cool. All right, last one. Favorite movie from either the 80s or the 90s? Karate Kid. Okay, so you know, that that's like a reboot now. This Cobra Kai is on. I haven't on seen Netflix. Cobra Kai. I'm a Karate Kid purist. Right, but he was the, he was the, the villain. In Karate yes. Kid, Cobra Kai. From what I understand, yes, the they dojo. And now yeah. I think Ralph Macchio is in there. Okay. Yeah, I remember Karate Kid. How many of them were there? Like two or three? three? And then, and they then there's the next this... Karate Kid, and we just let that yeah, go. Yeah, that was with Little, little Smith, uh, Jaden Smith. No, you're talking okay. about the reboot. I'm talking about Ralph Macchio and... Daniel's son, and yeah, there were three of them. Yeah, but then that what happened when they crossed that third one though was like one with a girl. They had that was the fourth one. That's called the next Karate Kid. 
Okay. And we just, then we just did obscure the that from our view. <laughs> I don't know that I saw all three of the karate. Kids. I have seen all three and I have them on my DVR. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I mean it. I'm in it. For me, I think it was Do the Right Thing. Love that. Yes. So my mom bought me the screenplay when I was a kid. So I'd read the whole screenplay. Like, you know, reading the screenplay is different from cool. like a novel because you see all of the directors, you know, uh, directions and how they cut, how the scene opens up. So it was really interesting because I read the screenplay. I had already seen the movie in my head. Yeah. Uh, but when I went to go see the movie, it was it was so, so good. It's still one of my favorite movies. Mm, I mean, if we go Spike Lee, that's a whole different conversation because I was having a conversation with myself uh, probably about three days ago. I was like, what's your favorite Spike Lee film? And I was like, hands down, Malcolm X. Malcolm X. Totally. Hands down. Totally. I mean, just the, the production value and the directing and, and that one alone. I just remember that one scene where... <laughs> The camera is, is going 360 around Denzel Washington and it's having all these memories and stuff. Yes, it's yeah. a, it's amazing. Like Spike Lee is amazing, but I I have to give um, school days credit where credit is due. This is true. This yeah. is true. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for playing that that game with me. Next time I have you on the show, you're gonna have to sing because I, I think you have a voice. Oh Lord. That you're hiding from us. <laughs> I'm not hiding. It's here. I'll 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 do whatever you would like, Doc. <laughs> Okay, well, sign my million dollar check. I'm waiting. Do you want it to clear or like? Yeah, yeah. It won't I clear don't yet. Want, it won't I don't clear yet, but I'm, I'm on it. Duck. Look, talking about Minnie Mouse. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, Stephanie, as we close out, I want to close on the most valuable lesson that you've learned about yourself. And because we're at the start of a new year, we can use last year. Okay. The most valuable lesson I learned about myself last year, mm -hmm. um, that how I am and the way I do things is exactly the way that they need to be done. You know, and I, and I say that because, you know, we live in a world where everybody wants to sell you a process, their five-step process, their 26-step process, their three main... And I'm like, you know, I'm a person that does things a particular way sometimes. Sometimes I want to process, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm very intuitive, sometimes I'm hyper-pragmatic. Um, and I just came to a point where I just realized the way that I do things for me is the way that they need to be done. I like that. And again, that I keep coming back to freedom, right? Because yeah. I think that that's inherent in all of us. But somewhere along our path and our journey, we start sidestepping and second guessing, right? Yeah. Um, and I can't tell you how many situations where I have second guessed myself and comes to find out that, the, like the saying goes, my first mind was my right mind, yeah. right? And, yeah. and I have now committed that I will not second guess myself anymore. How it's supposed to be is how I'm going to get through it. And when I get to it, that's where I'm supposed to be. Exactly. And just be okay with it, you know? Yeah, yeah it is. That's your so journey. I'm going to ask you to leave some contact um, information for social media, but what do you have going on? What do you want to highlight about your work as a coach and the many hats that you wear? What do you want the, to, the listeners to know about you as far as some of the, the products and services that you provide? Well, I am super excited that I finally on a whim, uh, created a coaching deck. 
So it's a 52 question. We call it 52 questions to ask yourself the 52Q coaching deck. And so that is a way, one of the things that I, I, I'm very, very cognizant of this year is accessibility. And so I wanted to be able to put something in someone's hand that if they were having a moment, they could literally, you know, take out, I was going to say, do I have a deck? I don't know, but the deck is probably about this big. And so they could pull a question and they could process that question as if I was there with them. And then the other thing just did a new book. Well, we just released my new book. It's called What is Kryptoniting? Uh, From what I hear, it's a bestseller. Uh, it went number four new releases. Thank you. And uh, number four, number one, number 93, it's in top 100. You know, you know, you have to keep checking like, oh my God. And so, uh, <laughs> shout out to my coach, my business coach, Dave Anderson, who gave me um, just the encouragement to do it. And with 20 bestsellers, uh, he kind of had the formula down. So uh, he really walked me through and talked me through how to promote my book so that people would go and buy it and so that we could um, establish, establish it, but it's called what is kryptoniting. It is actually inspired by my Ted talk and it really explores, um, taking our weaknesses or what are supposed to be our weaknesses and now using them as strengths. Mm -hmm. And when we, and I call it an unsung superpower that we can actually harness and change our entire trajectory. So that's what I've got going on. And then we've got new clients coming on for private coaching and I'm going to be launching this crazy community that I call the E-League sometime soon. I don't have a page for it. I don't have any anything. <laughs> but we're going to be doing that because I feel like accessibility is key. I think everybody deserves to be supported. And yes. if, if coaching can do that, I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's not anything that this pandemic has not taught us is that mm-hmm. we need to rethink about accessibility. Absolutely. Right? You know, Absolutely. I was I was late to our recording because I was hung up on the phone with T-Mobile 45 minutes in, still not resolved, right? You know, 30 of those are probably be waiting for somebody to come to the phone. Pretty I much. I was going to say, you did not talk to somebody for 45 <laughs> minutes. That is not how that happened. It's crazy. Customer services has taken a hit from all of this. But oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, we, we just have to flex and and bounce back. And I love this idea of just making yourself more accessible. And I'm all about knowledge and information sharing. So that's mm-hmm. right up my alley. I will be looking for the book. And I want to make sure that the listeners know how they can connect with you on social media. So give us all of your your social media outlets. Absolutely. You can find me pretty much everywhere at Stephanie D. McKenzie, except on Facebook. I'm Coach Stephanie DM. But everything else, if you look for Stephanie D. McKenzie, you got to put in the D. Stephanie McKenzie is a white girl in Canada. (laughs) She ain't me. So StephanieDMcKenzie.com. (laughs) (laughs) well Stephanie as I've told you before I absolutely love your energy so I'm not saying goodbye I'm just saying until next time that we are together on the podcast or in some other context where we are able to share information and ideas Uh so I see that yes (laughs) yes thank you so much for being with us folks that's all I have for you today Gen Xers so get unlatched Are you missing out on enjoying the benefits of your hard work like financial freedom, traveling, or a new career? Well, if you're feeling burned out and you're ready for a change, schedule a complimentary strategy session with me. 
As a coach, I help Gen Xers learn how to enjoy the freedoms they crave in life now instead of waiting until retirement. Now, I only offer a handful of these sessions each month and they run out quickly. So just click on the link in the episode description to reserve your complimentary session before it's too late. Together, we can reclaim your life's most ambitious dreams.